welcome to the GMC podcast, a place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Matthew, the teachings of Jesus Christ the King. We now take a look at the second teaching block in the Gospel according to Matthew, who was one of Jesus' disciples, previously a tax collector, but importantly a witness to the ministry and life of Jesus. So we look now at chapter 10 with Jesus' instructions for missionary disciples, where he calls the 12 disciples together, commissions them to begin to answer their own petitions, delegating authority to do the works of God as the ministry of Christ expands. So thanks for joining us on this podcast as we, over five weeks in chapter 10, will encourage you to respond to God's words and the challenge of Jesus Christ. Now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. It's always good to pray, isn't it? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for um, another day, um, another week. God, thank you for all the blessings that we have um, in our life. God, I thank you for the diversity of all our lives. God, we come and we gather uh, to worship you each Sunday, but we worship you throughout our week also. Um, And God, we thank you that all our lives look different, but you remain the same. Father God, as we prepare ourselves for worship this morning, I pray in the name of Christ that your Holy Spirit would be amongst us. God, would you be speaking to us through the worship, through Maggie's sermon. But as we sit here, God, as we've gathered, as we sit at our seats, God, would you be whispering to us with your gentle voice? Would you be speaking to our hearts? God, it's always the case that we want to be encouraged Um, but there's such a good thing in the challenge also God what would be the point of leaving your sanctuary unchallenged unrefined so God I pray as a people as a gathering in this time would your presence be among us Would you prepare our hearts to seek you? Would you prepare our hearts to find you this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come in power? In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Following the time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared to receive from God's word that you are open to be reached wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then please feel free to contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed answer questions of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our contact us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. 
or whatever you need, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. We're going to carry on where we left off last week. Um, where we heard that the, the disciples were not only chosen, uh, after Jesus spent a night in prayer, he chose the 12. Um, there were many disciples who heard the call of come and follow me, but these 12 in particular were chosen. They were called, uh, and they were called to partner Jesus in his Father's mission to reach the lost and to reveal the kingdom of heaven. And we read last week that Jesus was sending the disciples out. They had by now grown in their faith, they'd matured in their understanding, and they went from being disciples to being apostles, sent out ones. And they had a a remit to reach a specific people for a specific period of time. And they weren't necessarily a dream team, as we heard last week. They were ordinary men. uh, And they were actually a challenging and mixed bunch, but they were brought together in Christ for this purpose. Jesus could see in them everything that they could and would become. And he chose them and entrusted them to be the ones who would be faithful to the challenge of partnering in God's mission to the lost. Jesus loved them. But he did pray to his Father before he chose them and before he sent them. So we're going to pick up the story now uh, in Matthew 10 and verse 5 to 15. And I'm reading from an NIV, which I think is what we'll have overhead. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, enter for some, search for some worthy person and stay at his house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave that home, Our town, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Amen. May God bless us this reading of his word. May his name be glorified. So, um, 
They've got their, mes- their mission. They've got their instructions. Jesus had taught them. He's invested himself in them. He was their rabbi. He was their role model. And they had observed him. They were amazed. They, they questioned. And they wondered. And that's what we have to do as disciples. We look to our role model, Jesus. We do question. We do wonder and ponder over his word. But, you know, up until this point, Jesus had been doing all the heavy lifting of ministry. He'd been doing all the work. He'd been doing all the ministry. And they'd gone along supporting him as they lived together and moved around the Galilee together. But now is the time for all that learning and preparation to be put into practice as they take their first steps into mission and are sent by Jesus. And we learned last week that he gave them authority, the same authority he had been given, to do what we would consider extraordinary things, but which in God's kingdom is the norm. Drive out evil. Heal every kind of disease and illness. Raise the dead and preach. They were not eloquent or educated men, but in Christ, they could and would share the gospel. And in Christ, they would do these miraculous things. It's important that we tell people why we're doing the things that we do and let people know. It was important for them to tell people why they were doing what they're doing. They were, in fact, fact saying, look, you've been waiting for the kingdom of God. You've been waiting for the Messiah. Our scriptures have told us of his coming. Well, here it is. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like Jesus who heals and delivers and restores. He is amongst us. The kingdom of heaven is near. But who's their target audience? Who are they getting sent out to in this vast harvest field that exists with the message? Jesus said, go to the lost sheep of Israel, in verse five. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Why did Jesus say this? Because we know it's not a permanent command. We know the Great Commission is to go into all the world. So why did he say this to them at this point? This is the first commission that they have. So they're to target a specific people group The Jews, not even the Jews everywhere, the Jews living in the area of the Galilee, that's their parish. And this is where Jesus did so much of his ministry. Preach the kingdom has come, and if they require proof, do the miracles that I have empowered you to do, that I've given you authority to do. Show them the kingdom I have been talking about. I thought about the story of um, Peter and John that we find in Acts 3. This, of course, is post-resurrection. And this is post-Pentecost, when they've received the Holy Spirit. But they're making their way to the temple, and they encounter a lame man begging outside the temple. And he's been doing this for years. 
absolutely years. And Peter and John look at him intently and they see his need. And in mission, we need to see the need. We need to know what the need is. But they see his need. And Peter said to the lame man, look at us. Because the lame man's looking at anybody that's come into the temple that might, out of pity, give him a coin or two. Look at us. And the lame man looked at them, probably hopeful that they were going to give him money. But what did they say? What did Peter say instead? I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. This is the authority that he had. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What do you think the lame man would rather have had? The money or the healing? The compassion of others might support him to survive a miserable life of begging and disability and bondage. But only Jesus could set him free from this life of his and heal him. The lame man encountered the kingdom of God and it was necessary to make the connection to know who it was that healed him. Why these two apostles of Jesus did what they did. It's kingdom ministry. It's freedom. Are we declaring freedom to the people who are in bondage in our parish? But the apostles had learned this lesson on this first mission that Jesus sent them on with no money and no extras, but only the power and authority to heal in Jesus' name. The easy thing would have been to give the man money. Your conscience is clear if you've ever seen a homeless person. And we give them money and, and our conscience in some way is assuaged, but what about kneeling down and chatting to them and listening to their story? Maybe finding out why they're homeless. We can sometimes look for easy answers The kingdom of God goes deeper than that. It goes to the root of the problem. So this is not yet the great commission given by Jesus to the apostles uh, in Matthew 28, which we know is to go out into all the world. But this is an opportunity for them to learn what it means to do mission in his name and according to his will. These just prayed that, that we know the will of God in what we're doing here at Gillespie and in Dunfermline. And the will of God on this occasion meant beginning with the people of God, the Jews. Now we know Jesus ministered to others, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, the demoniac in the Decapolis, but this is the first mission for the apostles and it's to the children of Israel. It's not that it's being exclusive It's focused, and they need to learn and understand the mission before they engage in the Great Commission. So it was Jews first. The Jews had, in God's scheme of things, a very special place. We know that. In the justice of God, they had to be given the first offer of the gospel. Now, they may reject it, and often did reject it, 
but they were to be given the first opportunity to accept. Now, this is an important point in this scripture. We need to understand the mission. We need to understand the mission we're engaged in because sometimes as church, and I'm talking church broadly here, in our compassion and desire to respond to the overwhelming needs that we see in our communities, we set about developing plans and strategies, and we might call this our vision, and we set goals and we come up with potential solutions to reach all these different people and situations to help. There's nothing wrong with strategies and plans and goals, by the way. I'll come back to that. But Jesus said, the harvest is great. He acknowledges the need is great. The number of souls to be won is great. The poverty and deprivation, addiction and everything else is great. But the workers are few. Has it changed since then? And here's the key in all of this that we sometimes miss. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. What field is God sending us into as his workers? Before we do anything else, have we prayed to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest? Because the needs of the people in our community are overwhelming and it's just growing. Where is our focus to be? What is God's will for us in mission as a worshiping community located in the center of Dunfermline? Jesus did not send his disciples out to reach everyone, at least not initially. They needed to pray to the Lord of the harvest for more workers before they began a wider mission. Proverbs 19 and 21 said, says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that reveal, prevails. You know, we're, we're all full of great ideas and solutions born out of compassion. But God asks us to be much more focused than that. And the danger is that if we don't understand the mission that we're called to, that we can end up doing with the very best intentions the wrong things or we do it the wrong way round. And what this means is we come up with our plan and our solutions and then we pray to the Lord and ask him to bless these fantastic plans and make them happen. It's not wrong to have a strategy we need goals, we need plans because it keeps us focused, but we need to do it when we understand the mission. And I'm not saying we don't understand the mission here in Gillespie. This is just what the Word of God is teaching us today. Because if we don't understand the mission and we respond solely out of compassion, we need to do this, we need to do that. One of the dangers is that we become stretched beyond our capacity or we become distracted 
doing many things for God that he might not actually be asking us to do. And we can end up actually working in the wrong harvest field and wonder why it's not working out. It's not making a difference. So despite all our compassion and good intentions, we can spread ourselves too thin and burn people out. And when we don't manage to reach all the different people we want to reach and our plans and our strategies fall short, casualties start to appear in church. You'll see a high turnover of people, volunteers backing off, folks becoming discouraged, frustrated, ill, or worst of all, they leave. And we can believe that the whole mission has failed and the church becomes reluctant to do any more mission having used up all its resources and trying, well, we're not going to do that again. This is the situation in a great deal of the Church of Scotland. Lots of people are burnt out, leaders included, spreading ourselves too thin, trying to cover what was a model of parish ministry, which was right for its time, wonderful model, but it's not right for today. And that's why we're looking at changing our strategies and changing our plan. And may God be in the center of all of these plans. You see, the enemy loves to keep the church overly busy, doing things for God that is not necessarily the will of God for that particular moment in that particular field. It's a tactic designed to discourage us and distract us into taking our eyes off the harvest field and the authority that is ours to go and do these things. The harvest field that is rightly ours in Christ. Church has got to advance. There is a harvest field for us, but we need to know the one that God's got for us. He doesn't want us knowing that, the enemy. He doesn't want us advancing and taking territory, so far better to distract them with busyness. And they'll feel good about doing all this stuff. And hopefully, at some point, discouragement will set in, maybe even burnout, and with a bit of luck, they'll leave the church altogether. I've met so many people who have left a particular church because it just got too much for them or they don't go to church at all because church just wears you out. Church is the community of God and the glory of God and the best community possible to be a part of. Church does care for the lost. We're looking at trying to be a warm space over this winter as a church. If the enemy can get the leaders, burn them out and wear them down with the strategy, it means the sheep will scatter. Understand the mission means saying no to some things, despite our heart longing to do something. Might just be for a time, but it means saying no to some things 
some things that were good for that season, but it's finished and we're moving into a different season. And it's a season where God asks us to work out of rest and not stress, of spending quality time with the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Understand the mission. For the apostles on this occasion, it meant a smaller, focused commission. Before the Great Commission went, others, other workers were called and joined in, like Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and Silas, many others. They were called in to serve the wider harvest field. So the apostles now have clear instructions on what the mission is. So what about the terms and conditions? You know, when you're going for a job, you, you read through the job spec first of all, and then you get to the terms and conditions. They've got the job remit, what's expected of them. What are the terms and conditions? What are they going to need to complete the mission? We might ask things like, what costs are involved? Do you get travel expenses, a meal allowance, a mobile phone, a laptop, an office to work from, accommodation, a list of premier inns, a company donkey or car? What are the conditions, the terms? Well, the first thing they learn is, <laughs> there's no remuneration, boys. Verse nine, freely you have received, freely give. What, no pulpit supply, no perks, no expenses, no extras. Why did Jesus say this? Well, you see, in Jewish culture, rabbis <coughs> were not paid for teaching their disciples, unless it was a child, because that was supposed to be the parent's job. They weren't paid for their learning and impartation. It was freely given, and the reason for this is Moses received on Mount Sinai from the Lord freely the tablets, the commandments, and gave it to the people. That didn't mean it wasn't costly for Moses to lead these people but he depended on God. So Jesus is saying, don't expect big bucks or material gain for doing this. And just to reinforce this, he tells them, don't take money, don't carry a backpack with spare clothes and shoes or even a walking stick. Don't arrive somewhere with all the gear and trappings of materialism. Now, hear this please. Although rabbis were not paid for teaching, they obviously had to live. And God gave this responsibility to the community they served. So please do not hear this as a message of why we pay our ministers or any other workers. Rather, it reinforces that we have the responsibility to care for those who lead and teach and serve us but this should not be abused. The teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and apostle are all dependent on God and their call. Nobody goes into ministry for the money. Please believe that. And we as a community of faith are called to properly care for them and their families. I've seen some appalling manses out there when we were looking at churches. We never let it be a stumbling block to a call. Both Brian and I agreed we will go wherever God sends us. But we've seen some appalling manses. 
And you want to ask the question, would you live in these houses? I have a responsibility as a community to take care of our ministers and our workers. But Jesus is also teaching them dependency. Dependency on the Lord of the harvest. If we as church are able to conduct our mission solely from our own resources, it's doubtful if the vision is fully of God. God usually gives us a vision that is greater than our capacity to meet it, so we are dependent on him. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Dependency keeps in check good ideas and man-made solutions. We can't possibly do this unless God is in it. Moreover, we don't want to do it unless God is in this. God says to us, I want you to move that mountain, whatever the mountain is. And we respond, where's the machinery to do it, God? What will we need for the job? A mustard seed of faith is what you need. I will do the rest. Jesus is teaching the apostles to go in humility, to depend on God, to take nothing with them. And this is not always the case in mission, but for this particular mission and for these lessons, they are to go without anything. There's important lessons for them and it will stand them in good stead when they're part of the Great Commission. They're to go in humility. I'm always a wee bit wary of evangelists who turn up in white suits and stretch limos, who request to stay in the best hotels and whose demands are as long as your arm. They have flashy marketing material and costly courses and resources you can sign up to as a special deal once they leave. I know I'm exaggerating here, but you know what I mean. We know the worker is worth his keep. Jesus says so in verse 10. But don't be a primo. We don't need to be put up in a five-star hotel. This is not an example of the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples, foxes have dens to live in. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He depended on everyone else to take care of him through his Father God. We need to trust God and travel light in this life, lest we become ensnared by the trappings of materialism, which is idolatry. We're very comfortable as church in this country. I know there's a lot of poverty and it's hard at the moment amongst us, but compared to so many others, we're very well off. Jesus is letting them know, you do not need to burden the people I'm sending you to you don't need huge rewards for what you're to do. You're not in it for the money or for the recognition. You're doing it to reveal the kingdom. You know, others will try and make money out of doing these things in my name. There were others who tried to heal and raise the dead in Jesus' name, tell fortunes and so on. But the apostles are not to do this. When the apostle Paul 
carried out his missions. He often did the job of a tent maker so as not to burden the people he was reaching. Jesus did say, you're worth your keep, but don't abuse it. Stay in a house that welcomes you and feeds you and that is open to your message. Depend on the Lord of the harvest to give you everything you need. He will even guide you to the homes you will stay in and the words that you will say. If a home is deserving as an open and genuine, let your peace and your blessing remain upon it. If it is not deserving, if they're not interested in listening to your words, if they've just asked you in for a bit of a barney, or for some unholy reason, leave and take your peace with you and shake the dust from your feet and move on. You don't have time to stay and argue the toss. These are not Jesus' words, but I'm paraphrasing. There are others to reach. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Whoa, that's a stern warning, isn't it? But these apostles were coming with kingdom authority from Christ himself. Would you want to take the chance of ignoring this opportunity if it was given to you? Why worse for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? What did they do wrong? Well, they failed to show the correct and proper hospitality to the servants of the Lord, the angels who God had actually sent them to spare them. Do you remember Abraham pleaded with the Lord because his nephew lived in Sodom? If you find 40 righteous people, will you spare it? Yes. If you find 30, and he got the Lord down to 10. If you find 10, will you spare the city? And God said yes. And he sent his angels to go and find those 10. And instead, he was met with a violent crowd. Wickedness beyond belief. They actually tried to sexually abuse the angels of the Lord. We know the rest. Lot and his family were taken out of the city and spared, apart from Lot's wife who looked back, but Sodom and Gomorrah and its people were all destroyed. Shaking the dust off your feet is something a rabbi did if he traveled through a Gentile area, um, as in picking up something impure on your feet, the influence of that place and its people. Remember, in our armor that we're to wear, what are our feet shod with? Sandals ready to take the gospel out. Well, rabbis who had traveled through what they considered an unclean area would shake the dust publicly off their feet as a proclamation of judgment against that place. So Jesus is saying, if they do not receive your message, shake the dust off your sandals as a proclamation of judgment. There was an urgency to this mission. They only had a short time to carry it out and report back. Jesus is telling them, don't waste your time, your blessing and your peace on those who have no intention of listening or receiving the kingdom of God. Friends, we have to leave the rest with God and his grace as to what happens to those who will not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shake the dust off and move on. So I'm going to close. There was a great deal for the apostles to learn when it came to mission, and so it is for us. We need to learn about mission. 
They had to understand the mission. We have to understand our mission and stay focused on it. Whatever the needs we recognize, we're only to go when the Lord of the harvest says, this is my will, go there, do this. They had to learn dependency on the Lord to provide for the mission because it's usually greater than our ability and our resources to meet it. To God be the glory. And they had to learn to minister in humility and not for personal gain or kudos. They had to allow the people they were sent to to practice care and write hospitality as being one of the signs that they were open to the healing and freeing power of the gospel of God. What happens next? Well, we'll find out next week. It's a bit like the ABC on a Saturday morning. Dum, dum, dum. What happens next? They're going to meet opposition. That's what happens next. But we'll learn about that next week. For this week, Jesus has taught us something of what it means to know your mission. Be equipped for it. Go in humility. Be dependent on God. Don't look for kudos or reward. To God be the glory. Let us pray. Father God, it's incredible that today still you ask us to partner you in mission to the least and the last and the lost. We're not to be a church that sits inside and enjoys a club. Much as we love each other and enjoy being with one another and enjoy coffee and chatting, your word is, I'm sending you out but know the harvest field I'm sending you to. I know your heart is full of compassion. I know you want to solve every problem that's out there, but that's my job. Know my will, know my blessing, know my authority, and go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Hoey, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.